just want to sit here in my pew and, and not do this. And nobody wants to make you do something you don't want to. Uh, but those of you who want to do that, you get your way about 95% of the time. So get over it, okay? We just do that every once in a while. So uh, for those of us who are really blessed by that, by going and praying with some people and being together and getting to spend some time like that, thank you for even having a heart to let us do that. And, that, and that's like tonight. We're going to have a community communion service tonight. We try to do some special services at Gateway different times through the year, and this is one thing that Gateway has been doing for probably a decade or more. Every a couple of years or a year and a half, we'll do a community communion service. Invite all the churches in town to come together at 6 o'clock tonight, right here in this room, and we will take communion together. And so I hope you'll plan to be a part of that. I believe every one of you that decides to be a part of that is going to be incredibly blessed tonight. I will tell you this, uh, another thing here at Gateway, that those of you at Gateway know this, that we... we uh, we believe acapella worship is one way to worship God. We believe we can also worship God instrumentally. But you're going to always, on Sunday mornings, uh, hear acapella worship. And tonight at this service, at 6 o'clock, you're also going to hear acapella worship. That's what we're going to do. We're going to worship acapella. So I know some of you do not want to go to a service where there are instrumental worship, and there will not be any instruments in this service tonight. So if you, any of you that come, you're going to be blessed. There will be no preaching also. You're going to be blessed. It's going to be a blessing, yeah. <laughs> No preaching. All we're going to do is we're going to have uh, we're going to have some tables. I mean, not tables, some stools right up here, some chairs, and we're going to have eight or nine people from eight or nine different churches in our town that are going to share a very brief, uh, a very brief testimony with you about what a difference the Lord's Supper has made in their life. So you're going to get to hear from regular people all over our community who follow Jesus, and they're going to share. This is how God has changed my heart. So I hope you'll come and sing with us. I hope you'll come and be with your brothers and sisters in Christ and listen to those testimonies. I believe that everyone who's here will be blessed. Today is Palm Sunday on the Christian traditional calendar, and that means it is traditionally also the beginning of what's called Holy Week, the, the week uh, before uh, Easter so it's the time of remembering the passion of Christ, the remembering that Jesus suffered greatly, uh, just as Charles so uh, awesome was just sharing that with us. Thank you, Charles, for the things you shared in the prayers. Just an opportunity to give some extra time thinking about the last week of Jesus' life. doesn't mean we don't think about it the rest of the year, but it is a special time. Wednesday through Friday... At noon, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at 12 o'clock, there are uh, what are called uh, Holy Week services that are by also, they're also community services by all different churches that join together, and it's at 12 o'clock, and this year it's going to be at Mountain Annie's at the foot of the cross church, so if you have your lunch hour at 12 o'clock, you can show up at Mountain Annie's, and you walk right in, and uh, they have about a 30-minute service, and then they have lunch, and you can be back at work at 1 o'clock. And I, I'm, there's several, you know, there's three different speakers on those from different churches in town. I'm really excited that Derek from, uh, that Derek, uh, man, that's horrible. I'm just getting old, and I can't remember things. Derek Jones, that's a hard name to remember. Derek Jones from the Capitan Church of Christ is going to be one of the speakers at, at that, and I can't remember which day he's going to be the speaker, but 
I'm so excited to get to hear him. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I didn't have it written down. If I don't write it down, I don't remember. So, but Derek Jones, he was in my, he was in our youth group in Clovis, New Mexico, when I, you know, when I was about a little baby, you know, decades ago. And and Derek is now the preacher at the at the uh, Captain Church Christ. So maybe you'll maybe you'll choose to be at those. I'll be at those this uh, this week, and I always am blessed to be a part of that. Palm Sunday specifically is the day that. We remember the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem. And he was declared on that day by the people that were there with him to be king. They said, Hosanna in the highest. They said, he's the king. That's what they, that's what they were saying by laying down these palms in front of him as he came in on a donkey. They laid down their coats in front of him. They were saying, we humble ourselves before this king. We give our lives to this king and perhaps... Today will be the day that you'll open your heart. Perhaps today will be the day that you'll allow him to gently enter your heart as you lay down your will and your pride and your own self-righteousness and invite him into your heart to dwell there as your Lord and as your Savior. And at the end of this service today, we're going to sing an invitation song as we almost always do. We'll be glad to pray with anybody that makes that decision today. Anybody who wants to be baptized today, if you've not been baptized as a believer in the name of Jesus, we would love to do that today. Today might be the greatest day of your life. And we will celebrate forgiveness of sin. We'll celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit. So you be praying about that invitation today if God's kind of pulling at your heart this morning. Wondering, is he calling anyone today? We're finishing this series we've been in today called Rhythm. Sometimes in our life, things are just in sync. Things just firing on all cylinders. Things seem to be going just great. We push on the boulder that day and it just rolls down the hill. Oh, life just sometimes seems to be that way. In rhythm. And sometimes... It's not. Sometimes we feel like life is chaotic, feel like we're out of step. And this series has been about finding ways to stay in rhythm with God or in step with the Spirit, to be very biblical, to ways to stay in step with the Spirit regardless of what season of our life we're in. And we're going to finish that today started a couple of months ago by asking the question as we looked at Jesus' life and several places in the Gospels. I ask you to consider this question. Is Jesus to you, in your heart, do you consider him to be simply a good teacher? Is that what you consider? He has some nice things to consider. Or do you, have you set him apart in your heart as Paul prayed in the book of Ephesians? Have you set him apart as your Lord and Savior? Have you done that? And you've said, no matter what he says, I'm following him. That's me. Life can't be in rhythm without settling this. After that, we talked about being still. We talked about the rhythm of music and how music has pauses. It has times of rest. And we talked about pausing from our 
our very frenetic lives that we live that are just going, going, going regularly to hear what God is saying to us. I hope you've been practicing slowing down and listening to God regularly. If you haven't, I want to call you again today. Slow down and listen to what God is saying to you. Do that regularly. Do that often. And then we spent several weeks exploring the seasons of our soul, the natural rhythms of these ups and downs that we experience, not just, not, not just seasonally like January through December, and not just in the length of our life from the time we're a kid until we are old and pass away, but these seasons in our soul when there is what we talked about, winter. Let's see if this is going to work. I have to turn it on. There's winter. There's winter time sometimes in our soul. Many people have called it the dark night of the soul. Many Christians have called it the dark night of the soul. And we said there's several things to do during winter. We pray and we prune and we wait for the Lord. And then we talked about spring, which is a time of renewal when we plow our hard hearts, when we plant new seeds, and when we clean up the messes that have been left unattended. And then we talked about when summer comes, how great summer is that we spend time being thankful for so many blessings that God has given us, that we make sure that we're watering our souls and that we don't forget to do that, and that we also give our first fruits, the very first of whatever we have, that we put God first. He is number one. And then we talked about the autumn season last week, the autumn of harvest, when we share what God has done. What he's done for us, we share it with other people, and we also store up resources in our soul so that we can prepare for seasons that won't be so good, and we also start over. We start over by repenting of the things that we planted that are not good seeds, and we write back to thanking God that Jesus paid the price for all of it, for all of this mess. Today, as we wrap this series up, we're going to look at Psalm chapter 1, and we're going to be thinking about this. How do we sustain a good rhythm in our life no matter what season we find ourselves in? No matter what season. So let's pray, and then we'll read Psalm chapter 1. Lord God, thank you for our church family. I'm so grateful, and I'm thankful for those that are visiting here today that are probably here uh, on, on vacation, maybe getting out of the state of Texas and coming to our beautiful New Mexico here. We're thankful for brothers and sisters, followers of Christ, worshipers who are here today, especially those who might be visiting from in town, God. We pray that they might feel, they just might feel encouraged and welcomed, that they might know that your love is real and true. We pray that, that, they, would, that they would be invited into our church family and that they would want to walk together with us as we walk with you, God. Lord, as our habit is to pray for a different church every week from our village, I want to pray today for the foot of the cross, and I pray as they host the, the Holy Week services, I pray your blessings on them. I pray that the, that the unity that, that your Holy Spirit has given, that this will be a part of us doing what you commanded us to do, to maintain the unity of the Spirit. May we follow what you've told us to do. May we obey this command. I pray for Phil and Laurel. I thank you for just the great, just the, just the great people they are, the way that they love so well, the way that they serve so, uh, so endlessly. And I pray, God, today that you would bless Phil as he preaches, and we pray that the gospel would be declared. We believe that the death and the burial and the resurrection 
We believe what Paul said. We believe it's the power to salvation. We pray it will be declared boldly, both there and here. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. We pray it in the name of Jesus and everyone said, amen. Psalm chapter 1 is going to be our text today that we're going to read. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish. Look at the first word and the last word in Psalm chapter 1. The psalm begins with the word blessed, and the psalm ends with the word perish. Some people's lives will be marked with blessing. Other people's lives will result in perishing. And the rhythm of life that makes the difference is found in the words of this psalm, Psalm chapter 1. So let's look closely today. We're just going to look at two words really today is what we're going to do because we don't have time to study the entire psalm and every single word, but we're going to look really closely at two words. Before we get to those two words, I want you to think about what the writer says here. The writer says, he says this, that we are like trees, that we are like trees. And that's exactly what we've been talking about as we explored these seasons of our soul, that there's a natural seasons that come and go, winter, spring, summer, fall. However, there's something that's different than trees, he says. Unlike trees, you and I get the great privilege and also the great responsibility of choosing where we plant our roots. See, a tree doesn't get to choose that. A tree is just where a tree is. But God has given us free will to to take our roots and sink them deep wherever we choose. Verse 1 says, some people choose to plant roots in the advice of the ungodly. Some people choose to plant their roots in the company of sinners. Some people choose to plant their roots deep into the words of mockers. And others choose to plant their roots deep in the word of God. It's possible to read this psalm and think, well, here's the deal. I should never be around people who are not Christians. That's what I should do because those are the people who are Uh, wicked or sinners or mockers and so I should stay away from all those people and I should just be around good church people and I should just read my Bible 24-7. That could be one uh, application of this and I actually know some people who really believe that and they kind of practice that. Then we have to take a look at a guy named Jesus. And we know that can't be correct. Because Jesus did more than have a few token sinners that he saw occasionally, you know, here or there. 
Jesus was known as the friend of sinners. He didn't just show up every now and then. He was the friend of sinners. He was accused of being a drunkard and a glutton. He spent significant amount of times with prostitutes and thieves. He was a friend of sinners. So how do we square that lifestyle with this psalm that seems to be telling us, stay away from those kind of people? Well, the answer is found in verse 2, and it's found in these two words that we're going to talk about today. The first word that we're going to look at today of these two words is the word delight. Delight. The Hebrew word for delight is kephets. So everybody on the count of three is going to say the word kephets. These are really just little tricks for me to wake you up, all right? Are you ready? On the count of three, kephets. One, two, three, kephets. It doesn't matter whether you remember that or not, okay? But, but here's the deal. That's what the Hebrew word is that means delight, kephets. And here's what it means, to desire something that brings pleasure. To desire something that brings me pleasure. It makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. That's what delights me, the things that I think of that bring me pleasure. So, so what about you? What brings you pleasure? There are stereotypes, of course. Stereotypes say, well, men, I'll tell you what brings them pleasure is work and sports and hunting. That's what they love to go do. That's what they love to spend their time doing. That's where they escape to. There are stereotypes that say women love to go shopping and they love to hang out with children and they love at the end of the day to have a clean house. I didn't say clean house. I said they love to have a clean house. They probably love it and delight if their husband actually does it or helps with it. There are stereotypes that would say that older people really love comfort. That's what they find pleasure in. They find pleasure in peace and quiet. I really don't care what you kids are doing. Just Shut up, be quiet, okay? They find great delight in that. They find great delight maybe in a nap in the afternoon. Again, these are stereotypes I'm telling. And then maybe there are stereotypes about young people that would say, well, this is what brings them great delight is anything exciting, anything that's loud and music that's you know, rebellious and crazy and parties with their friends. These are all stereotypes. But something brings us delight. Something brings us pleasure. And I think there's one thing that's universal. Try to figure out what it is in your head. What am I going to say? Oh, surely he's... <laughs> Coffee. Well, I wish that were true. I wish it was universal. But you're pretty close. Chocolate. That's pretty universal. I know Adrienne Crow doesn't like chocolate, but she's about the only person I know that doesn't. So chocolate... It's pretty universal. I heard these three rules about chocolate. Here is what I, what I heard about chocolate. It says, what do we call equal amounts of dark and white chocolate? That's a balanced diet, all right? Uh, if, you're, if, you guys, if some of you are like, no, that's not really a balanced diet. You gotta have healthier food than that. Well, chocolate covered raisins, cherries, and strawberries, they all count as fruit, so eat as much as you want, okay? You're good on that. And then if you, this, this was another rule, if you have melted chocolate on your hands, you, you probably have a serious, serious problem, and that is that you're eating too slowly. All right, so. Most of us do delight in chocolate because it does bring us pleasure. But here's the deal. Well, and, and let me say this before I move on from that. Maybe it's not chocolate for you, but I guarantee you, you are, you are delighting in something. Think about it. There's something that just 
brings you great pleasure and, and you get excited even thinking about when it's gonna happen and when you're gonna be there and, and how it's all gonna go down and whatever. You, you, you imagine it or you, uh, you plan for it or you look at pictures of that place you're gonna go on vacation and, and whatever that thing is that brings you great pleasure and that you delight in, there is something. Here's another important thing about the word kephet, delight. The Hebrew word can also mean this. Now listen, this is different. It can mean choosing to desire something, choosing to desire something because you ascribe much value to it. Not necessarily because it brings you great pleasure all the time, but it is something that you can choose to desire because you ascribe great value to this particular thing. That is also the word delight in the Hebrew language. And that seems to be what the psalmist is getting at in Psalm chapter 1. You're like a tree, and you have the choice of where you put down your roots. You have the choice of what you will delight in, the choice of what you will ascribe much value to. You get to choose that. What do you say, this is so valuable? The psalmist indicates that you're going to choose to get your nourishment, your water. You're going to choose to get filled up inside your soul in one of these two places, either by spending your time with the ungodly, the sinners, the mockers, or you'll get filled up with the water of God's word. Seems to give those two choices, and there may be a lot of things that kind of might be in between, but they probably lean one way or the other pretty strongly. This doesn't mean you have to choose one and reject the other. It doesn't mean that you'll either be friends with sinners or you'll fill up with God's word. That's not really his main point. You can, be, you can do both. You could be friends with sinners and you can also drink of God's word. You can do both those things. The question is, which one are you filling up on? Which one is nourishing you? Which one are you delighted with? Which one are you ascribing great value to? And that's the difference when we look at the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus delighted in his relationship with God. And so he's able to be great friends with ungodly sinners and mockers. Completely comfortable. Completely comfortable in those friendships because he wasn't trying to get filled up by those friendships. He wasn't trying to get his nourishment from those friendships. He wasn't planting his roots in those friendships. He's already filled up because he's delighted in God's word first. And that's what sustains Jesus. It's his relationship with the Father. So here's the question. What sustains you? What fills you up? What do you delight in? And if we're honest, at least if I'm honest, and probably most of you, most people that I, that I visit with about these kind of things, we don't always delight in God's word. It's a struggle. If you're like me, you've, you've 
you know, said sometimes in your life, you said, I'm going to read through the Bible this year. And you start out in January 1st and you open up to Genesis, you start reading several chapters. It's pretty good, man. It's pretty interesting. There's a lot of cool stories in there and all kind of neat history and amazing things that God is doing. And you go to Exodus and wow, incredible what God did to rescue these people out of Egypt and Moses. And then you get to Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, it's hard. And the Bible says, your word is sweeter than honey. Really? I'm, I'm like, that's the person that wrote that? Have they read Deuteronomy? Sweeter than honey? Better than much fine gold. Come on. We're supposed to delight in this? So there are times and seasons that we do indeed delight in God's word. Yes, we love reading it, and there are certain parts that we memorize and we love, and there are certain times and seasons of our life we just can't get enough of it. It naturally brings us pleasure. But there are other times when we must choose to ascribe much value to God's word because it just doesn't feel that way. And so we still say, I'm going to delight in it. I'm going to ascribe much value to it. I'm not going to stop reading God's word because it's a tough time. The second word, that's the first word, is delight. Here's the second word. It's to meditate. The Hebrew word for meditate is hogah. Sounds like something you'd say in Oklahoma. All right, I don't know what it means, but it sounds like an Oklahoma word. Hogah. That is the word for meditate. And it literally means to murmur, to meditate. It literally, the word means to murmur. Repeating words over and over and over. Hogah, to murmur. Lovers, hogah. Love you, love you more, love you to the moon, love you to blah, we get it, okay, all right, enough, all right, yeah, 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 they murmur, you know, they just like hogah, they just like meditate on this lover, and they think about this person, and it's like, yeah, okay, okay, shut up, you know. We hogah, we meditate on our enemies, how she wronged me all the bad things that she did, all the bad things she is, and over and over and over, we relive it, and we hogah, we meditate. Parents who are worried, hogah, meditate on worst-case scenarios, you know. Oh, my goodness, you know, she might, you know, she might get, she might fall and get hurt, you know. He might get kidnapped, you know. A wild, uh, you know, like a, a wild mountain lion might come and eat, eat him or her, you know. And, and I'm just going, Amy, they're in the baby crib, okay? They're going to be all right. It's okay. <laughs> Sorry, baby. <laughs> but parents do that, don't we? We hogah. We just like, we like meditate over, and we just think about it. We murmur. We, maybe we're even, you know, saying the words out loud that we're just, we're worried. We, under, we all understand this, this idea of meditating on something, murmuring something, hogah. We used to play this family game in our family that we would do when the kids were real little, and we'd say, Hey, I love you bigger than, I love you bigger than this thing right here, this little clicker, you know. I love you bigger than that computer. Oh, yeah, well, I love you bigger than that pew over there. I love you bigger than this building. I love you bigger. And it was just this game where you get bigger and bigger and bigger, you know, as big as we could get. 
And it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't like a chore. It was just a fun game, and it kind of came naturally. But that's sort, of, that's sort of like that. That's kind of like meditating, murmuring, haga. Came real naturally. It was easy. But if you're a married couple, and you're in trouble, as all marriages at times go through trouble, it's not so natural, but it's necessary to haga, to meditate, to murmur. Not on the bad things, but on the good things that we see in our spouse, even though we don't feel it right now. We haga, we meditate on the vows that we took, we murmur the vows. Do you promise to stay together for better or worse, sickness and health? Richer or poorer, we murmur the words, I do. We meditate on it. We remember. It doesn't feel natural, but we choose to ascribe great value to our marriage. And guess what happens? When we hold on through the storm, when we get to the other side, especially when both people are doing this, meditating, haga, murmuring, you know what's on the other side? Delight. That's what's on the other side of that kind of meditation. Delight. And same is true with God's word. We haga, we meditate, we murmur, even when it's not natural, even when we don't want to, even when it doesn't feel that way. And you know what happens? It leads to delight. I love the story I read recently in the last few weeks about a Christian lady In her lifetime, she loved the Lord so much and she loved the Bible so much that she had much of the Bible memorized. And I'm sure there are a lot of you that have memorized large portions of the Bible and you can relate to that. As she aged and her mind began to slip, she began losing her memory. But she could remember 2 Timothy 1, verse 12, and she would murmur it. She would say it. I know whom I believed. I'm persuaded he's able to keep what I've committed until that day. She would murmur it over and over. I know whom I believed. I am persuaded he's able to keep what I've committed until that day. She got sicker, she got worse, but she kept murmuring, committed to him until that day. Committed to him until that day committed to him until that day. And then she couldn't murmur as much and she just said committed to him. Committed to him. Committed to him. And on the day of her death, her family reported that she, her lips were moving and they couldn't hear her. They couldn't understand. They got their ear right down to hear what, what is it you're saying? What is it? What are you trying to say? And all she was saying over and over is him. 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 She'd lost the whole Bible except one word but she had the whole Bible in that one word because she was meditating. She was murmuring. And on the other side of that is great delight. And the amazing thing to me, and there's no time to do this in our sermon. I mean, I didn't even have it planned, but I just have to tell you to whet your appetite and tell you, you go study this. Don't make me study all this stuff for you guys. You guys go study this this week. Go look up the word delight, and you're going to be amazed to see how much God delights in you. 
He delights in you over and over and over dozens of times. God delights in you. It's amazing. So encouraging. Can't, I can't encourage you enough to go get on your computer or pull out your concordance and look up the word delight and see how much God delights in you this week. I'm inviting you today and me for us to examine our hearts today as we finish this series about rhythm. Examine the rhythm of our life. Examine what's going on way down deep inside. Not saying, oh yeah, I go to church on Sundays. Oh yeah, I give money. Oh yeah, I go and I do this one ministry thing. Oh yeah. I'm not talking about the peripheral outside things. I'm encouraging all of us to look deep inside of our hearts and our souls and answer this question. What is sustaining you? What is it that delights you? What are you meditating on? What are you murmuring? And today, if you would say that you've set your roots down because God gave you that choice, and you've set the roots of your life deep down into the ungodly mockers and sinners, I have some good news for you today. Jesus died for all of the ungodly. Jesus loves every single sinner. Jesus wants to be friends with all of the mockers. So imagine yourself right now as a tree, and you have roots, but you're a tree that can choose where to put those roots. And I beg you in the name of Jesus to choose today to move your roots to the Word of God. Start today. It's never too late. Are you sucking air today? Are you breathing? It's not too late. Move your roots to the Word of God. Ask Him to be your Savior and your Lord today. Ask Him and invite Him to come dwell in your heart. And if you've never been baptized into Jesus, let's get that taken care of right now, today. If you've neglected God's Word, pick it up and begin to meditate on it. I'll tell you what you're soon going to find. You're going to find out that you're delighted with the words of life. So can we pray for you today about the rhythm of your life? Are you ready to be baptized? If so, you come while we stand, while we sing.